sort of explore creativity. We piss people off. You know, who has access to art? An ephemeral queer space. You're just mm -hmm. like, you get this crazy idea and you're like, yeah, we can do this. <laughs> if not now, when? Um, my name is Casey Wolcox and I'm an artist. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Casey. It's really nice to hear your voice. Um, I feel like it's been a super long time. And the reason I wanted to talk to you for this episode was um, because uh, just getting into the topic about changing mediums and switching mediums, you're the first person that came to my mind because I feel like you, I don't think dabble is the right word. I feel like you throw yourself into a lot of different um, mediums of art making. Uh, is that something that you identify with at all? Yeah, I think so. Um, and thanks so much for having me on. This is great. It's so nice to hear someone's voice and to talk about art. It feels like it's been way too long. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely feel like I'm someone who <laughs> throws himself into different mediums I, I don't know I don't know if it's because like I'm self-taught for the most part or because I'm I don't know I'm still kind of figuring out what works for me but I, I tend to sort of try out new things and try to teach myself new ways of working to try to get closer to what I what's the idea I'm trying to convey through my work yeah I appreciate that with your it seems like your attitude is that you start with a, an idea and then you you teach yourself a new medium or a new process to like kind of get to that idea. I, I like what you just said about trying to get closer to it. Um, I know that the uh, we talked a lot um, a couple years ago about your work shedding for third uh, for third shift when you were casting garbage with rubber latex. And I was so amazed by that process because um, you were totally self-taught and it's, I'm assuming there wasn't a lot of uh, research to go on. Like you probably were kind of flying in blind. Yeah, for that work especially, it's sort of funny how it came together because the process of making a rubber mold is actually the kind of like the preliminary work you do for casting. Usually you make the mold and you then you pour something into it. But I I guess because it was my first time exploring that way of making and um, I just never got past the mold making part. I, I really kind of dived in and made a couple, about 100 rubber molds that end up being the pieces themselves. Yeah, I think that I, I was always really taken with that itself, just getting kind of seduced by something that wasn't even maybe necessarily supposed to be the end goal, but uh, along the way getting really caught into something. And recently you've released, I feel like this is like a, a, a quite a departure, but maybe not, you'll tell me, but I was really impressed with your the garment line that you released, this Windy Place. Um, can you talk a little bit about making that project and like making something wearable and um and the process of actually making the garments yeah that was something that i had been thinking about for a long time and where it's i think i know it looks like a big departure from my previous works where they're more like sculpture based or installation based but um i've always sort of come back to drawing and 
um, painting and hand building in my practice. I think it's what I really know. And from the, like the most formative place, like as a, as even as a little kid, that's like where I think I made stuff just try to understand the world or try to like insert myself into the world. And um, this windy place was sort of an opportunity that came out of just going back to drawing. I, the piece I'd finished before that was funeral, which was a, a large scale installation um, that was hand built. Um, so it wasn't, had involved, it had involved a little bit of casting for some of the details, but the majority of the piece was hand built. And it was a really arduous piece to, to complete. And it dealt with some really, some, some difficult themes. It dealt with grief and working through the grief process. So um, I had kind of taken a break from working through those ideas, working through grief, working through like large scale sculpture. And I, 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 also, I also own a shop um, in St. John. It's um, a, a vintage and pre-love clothing exchange and art design boutique. And uh, we needed some new fitting room curtains. And I, I wanted um, myself and my partner, Emily and I both wanted something uh, a little bit more one of a kind in the shop. Um, we weren't quite finding what we wanted uh, like at the local fabric store. So um, her mom had, Emily's mom had sewn up some curtains for us and I brought them to my studio. And um, initially the goal was just to like print a pattern on them or just like embellish them somehow. And I ended up making um, two hand-painted murals pretty much. Um, um, one was like six by seven, the other one was six by 12. And it was just so, it felt so freeing. I felt so good to paint and to draw and to use color. And I had so much fun making them. And it was just like such a restorative process to do that. So it had then extended into um, making a, a small addition of wearable pieces. That's awesome. It sounds like, it sounds like that process of working with paint and fabric and and making something for your shop, which you obviously have a lot of love for and put a lot of effort and work and thought into. Um, it sounds like a really joyful process as opposed to not necessarily that funeral didn't have any joy in making it, but you were dealing with really heavy themes. Yeah, I, I think like, I mean, both like as an artist making work, but as just like a person in the world, it's I, I'm a person who's, you know, making work about grief and experience has experienced grief it's really important to let yourself have those restorative moments where you're permitting yourself some joy and some reprieve from um, like some of the heavier stuff you might be feeling and, and going through. So that's, I guess part of like coming back to changing mediums um, like textiles were something that I had done a bit of when I was at school, when I was at NASCAD, I was studying in the design department and kind of realized a little bit late, that maybe it wasn't the right path for me, but I was already too far into my degree as in my final year that I had decided that maybe I could just try to take advantage of some like electives and some um, uh, independent study courses and try to like infiltrate into the fine arts department. And I had done a, a one where I had worked with a friend who was um, in a, a fashion class and she was designing a line of clothing and I had this interest in surface design thinking that was maybe a bridge between design and art at that time. And uh, again, like self-taught, um, was self-taught to working with textiles and kind of co-opted some friends who had the knowledge and access to the studios and 
taught me those skills and it was nice to come back to that and again try to pull that together into my practice bring drawing back in dyeing um hand painting that sort of thing I feel like everything I do is very DIY whether I like it or not I think it's just like what I know I love I also I love the like kind of little trying to escape design um attempts <laughs> at NASCAD but in terms of like like you because you did have formal training and something but considering yourself to be which I would totally agree with like a really at taking a super DIY approach to how you make things um I mean your studio speaks for itself like just the sheer amount of like it, it really does look like a studio where someone is hand making something because there is no end to I mean I haven't been in there recently but I, there's the no end to the like the eclectic nature of the the items that you have in there and the stuff that you're working with I wonder like with something like or something like actual clothing and obviously as a, like a shopkeeper and you run the adventure store visitors is it do you find it like quite different to like where to to create things that people actually like wear on their bodies is there any kind of like is there was there anything that came out of that that you found interesting as opposed to like making sculptural pieces I like I like making clothing for people I like I like the idea that art can exist in the everyday and I think that's like really part of like the one of the center goals at visitors is finding ways where art can exist in your everyday life whether that's clothing or a, a small art piece that um exists in, in someone's home and things like that and I think through running the shop it, it, it changed the way I thought about the possibility for artwork existing and I guess also the way artwork can be made and sold um and it's not necessarily always in like kind of your classic white cube gallery space where mm. I do I do imagine some work of mine could exist in that space um but I haven't quite found where or how so it seems like I kind of go either like the more like ephemeral temporary installation route and then to the extremely um accessible like handmade like a handmade t-shirt something that I think is a pretty accessible work of art um most most people um can afford something that's in the under $100 range versus the under $1,000 range um so I think it's just like what I I think I am just responding to like what I think is available to me Mm. and trying to create those opportunities for myself with what I feel is available that's a very St. John approach (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I think that like I mean that makes a lot of sense to me like even even in your your sculptural work like it um not that it wouldn't be at a place in in an art gallery but like the like the the work that you were doing with garbage and funeral like they were both um things that I felt like they were exploring concepts that you just kind of live with um so maybe like a little bit closer to home than something that's like um sort of removed so clothing is a great like extension of that and I mean the one of the strong one of the things is like a you know patron of visitors I guess is like the kind of curatorial nature of it you and uh you and your business partner Emily are so good at like at accessing what people need and like what their budget is but also like providing the telling people it's okay to want beauty 
in their lives like I think it's definitely made me personally want to like curate my space a little bit more it was probably going to happen anyway as I got older and started caring about my surroundings but um visitors is like a really good I don't know like not just like a it's really good little lessons and like how to curate your own sort of surroundings that's really strange to say that that means a lot to me and I feel like I went through that same sort of process in building visitors with Emily where I care a bit more about my choices and what I what I spend my money on and what I have on my body and what I have in my space and um wanting to spend more of my money when when I have it um on artist made things um it does bring me a lot of joy and I think that's something I'm starting to also consider the importance of just in my own practice too, is like including more joy and more beauty in my work where I would say most people who might look at um, shedding or might experience like experience or look at funeral, they're, they're both dealing with really um, kind of like ugly subjects, like garbage and waste is kind of an ugly subject and death is a difficult subject and where I, I do think in those narrative stories, a lot of opportunities for joy and beauty. It just hadn't quite um, achieved incorporating it in yet. You don't think that you have? I don't know. I I think they have their own sense of beauty. Like, um, not to say that like my work is ugly, but it's not. It's not. I think like um, like it, it, if you were to compare it maybe to like some of the the painted items I had done recently, it just seems like such a departure. And I've been thinking about how to find a middle ground between the two. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, I guess it depends on like where, where the beauty is coming from too, because a funeral while dealing with really heavy subjects and, and like allowing people around it to talk a lot about their own grief. That was something I saw come up a lot during third shift in 2019 is, when people were kind of confronted with it, it became like really easy to talk about grief when you see this large um, tin of fish being treated like a like a coffin. But that's but also in it, I found the beauty in it because in the kind of whimsy of it, there, it was not entirely without um, a little bit of humor and kind of the humor of a grieving person, which is make, maybe like a little gallows humor or kind of tongue in cheek. Like something that I think mm-hmm. everyone could recognize from ha- plays a part in people's own healing, um, but, but and that that's where I certainly found the beauty in funeral for sure. That brings me a lot of joy hearing that. Uh, I mean, I think that was maybe not my my intended goal. Maybe sometimes because I don't when I make my work, I don't I don't know totally think through how it's going to be perceived <laughs> until it's done. Um, but I I was really um, like comforted or glad to hear that um, folks who saw the piece felt they had a space to lean into their grief or express the grief and share it with others. And I, I, that feedback made me feel like the work had um, achieved something that I wasn't necessarily anticipating. And it made me, it changed the way I thought about making work in relationship to grief. And I, I appreciate what you said about the humor. I think, I think funeral is getting got a little bit closer to this idea where you you can be changed by the difficult things in life like death and waste and you know kind of like 
the unfortunate and, and, and frustrating and hurtful and life-changing things that exist, exist in the world, but there's also space for, for humor and, and beauty and joy. And I, um, I think what I want next in my practice, what I'm after next is like finding where a way to represent all those things at once. So I think that's, that's what life is. Yeah. I think that's an, I think that's a accessible goal is how to express all those things at once. I'm really excited to, to see how you figure that out. I mean, like to, I'm wondering, especially with like that, your approach to like taking whatever medium you need to achieve, to achieve a sub, like a subject exploration is, is so admirable and, and unusual. I don't think a lot of artists take that approach. Um, do you, do you feel like the mediums end up relating to each other in your own mind or relating to how you approach the next project or is it totally new every time? I think it's, it's usually one building off of the other. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, mediums are just tools. Like it's whatever tool you feel works for you when you're making your art. At least that's the way I see it. And if your toolbox like includes multiple mediums, that's great. If you're someone who is really vested in one medium and that's how you get closer to the truth, whatever truth you're trying to convey or whatever idea you're trying to express, then that's great too. Um, for me, I see myself, yeah, like really coming back to drawing, coming back to hand building, maybe moving away from casting. I, I love it as a method of um, creating multiples and I can see that tool staying in my toolbox. But I think... I think before I might have been hiding a little bit um, behind casting, to be completely honest. Like, I think I was using it as a way to, or I thought I was getting closer to the truth because I was using something um, that was so, like, it was really, like, touching something real. In this case, uh, garbage found on a beach. And I was using something I felt that was kind of photographic in that way, where, like, left the imprint or, like, created like a document of something but I think that's like such a classic um like rookie mistake um that I'm now sort of realizing that when you use something that feels that might be closer to objective truth that's sort of like a fallacy because um you can never really convey something totally objective you're always speaking from a place of who you are and where you came from so I'm kind of I'm kind of looking forward to getting back more to making work with mediums that I feel like I really know and that come from a place of who I am and what I've experienced and what I think I can convey. Um, I don't know. It's uh, really mysterious and kind of scary because it's like I feel like I'm going into the unknown, but I'm excited to see how that will reveal itself. And I'll probably, again, like it'll probably take some twists and turns I wouldn't expect. I find myself hand building a lot in clay these days. So <laughs> who knows? I think you put that perfectly of like what, uh, finding a truth and, and uh, truth not necessarily being hinged on something being unbiased or, or replicant. Um, mm. I think that's, I love that you described it as a rookie mistake. <laughs> I'm, I'm really looking forward to, what you're working on next and and the um, I really admire the way that you 
um, kind of follow the rabbit holes of different ideas and different processes. And I'm excited that you're working with Clay. I'm, I'm really curious to see what you do with that. Yeah, these days, thanks you so much for saying all that. You're so sweet. I, um, I've been building, uh, <laughs> I've been building little tables and chairs out of clay who can't support themselves. That's what I've been making these days in the studio. Um, I, I applied, I had gotten, I was lucky enough to get a grant, uh, last year from Arts and B to create a project about grief and about the grieving process and when I had applied it was quite soon after I had lost my dad so I was like really early in the grieving process and now that's been um over over, it's been over a year since I applied for that grant um my perspective on grief has changed quite a bit where before I feel like I was really focusing on some like classic monumental displays of grief like the big statements about grief and like really responding to what I kind of knew to be the symbols that were acceptable for representing grief. So, and I think that's kind of funeral was um, working through that using what I knew and maybe like subverting it a little bit and playing with it and kind of seeing what worked and what didn't. And um, it, it kind of made me realize that like, there's just so much more to it than just these like big Victorian statements about mm. grief so now i'm making these i don't know these little tables and chairs that i didn't even really intend to make them i just sort of started playing with clay and um i, I was kind of referencing like a really specific point in time that i associated with a, a a deep moment of grief and um was trying to make these really realistic chairs and it wasn't working and i was really tempted to like find like a dollhouse version and cast it and then I would have like the exact real thing, you know, um, I, I could hide behind that realism, but then I kind of decided to, I don't know why but I decided to stop myself. And then, um, instead just roll out a little ball of clay and then roll out a couple little sausages and make my, this little chair with, at that moment, the goal was just to make it with as few pieces as possible. Um, almost like a little sketch. And then when I assembled it, I didn't really consider any structural value to it. So it immediately slumped over and the little legs looked like little arms and it kind of like had this little sweet human quality about it. And it kind of felt like the chair was overwhelmed by grief. So it just fell over. And I was so like kind of moved by that image. I made a little table to go with it. And so now I'm stuck making little tables and chairs that can't support themselves. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of obsessed with it. (laughs) I love that. I love that they, um, it sounded like they kind of like, you're kind of like anthropomorphizing these little tables and chairs and like they gave this to you, like that they were trying to tell you something. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. But it's funny because it's like kind of letting like listening to yourself I guess or going back to what you know is I think is so important as an artist and then just sort of starting to figure that out that by by doing that you kind of get to something that something subconscious maybe like something that's inside of you that you know that is there but it's it's so hard to use words to identify it sometimes I guess for me that's why I make art I, I find like I can get to somewhere um, more, I, I can't quite get there with words or being totally like logical and conscious about it. That makes sense. 
So I was like really kind of like surprised by what I revealed to myself, but it felt very, I use the word true a lot these days, but it felt very like it revealed something true about my experience with grief. I felt like these little tables and chairs being kind of overtaken by it. So mm. I'm kind of seeing, I think this body of work I'm working on now will probably, probably be a broader, a broader, broader experience exploration about grief like different stages of it not just the or before I think I was quite clouded and just the immediacy of feeling grief yeah and I appreciate that you're using like kind of sizes of things to talk about this like the big like the big initial feeling and and then like me and that you you made like a, a a very large we we moved it in a truck uh, <laughs> a very large <laughs> sculpture to deal with like the big feelings but it sounds like you're kind of you're moving on to like a a larger a larger world of all of the smaller ones yeah I think that that's a really that feels that feels like that's right yeah that's how that's how it kind of seems to be coming together well that's awesome I can't I thank you so much for sharing all this with me and I think this is I I, I knew that you would be a great person to talk to about this because you were you were always so willing to have things be about more than one thing <laughs> if that makes sense and uh, yeah that does make sense to me <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i really appreciate you chatting with me today and um and i look forward to seeing uh the little clay tables and chairs thank you for listening to the third space gallery podcast this podcast is hosted and produced by me, Abigail Smith, with invaluable support from St. John's only campus and community radio station, Local 107.3 FM. Our logo is by Judd Crandall of Pulp and Paper Design, and our theme song is Norwood Falls by Wangled Tub. Thank you to the Third Space Gallery Board of Directors and our Executive Director, Kathleen Buckley.